You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. But the Bible teaching we're doing brings us to a passage, um, a new, a new um, book we're looking at, which is 1 John. And the passage could not have been better. It was set up, God knew in advance, so he planned the passage to match today and to match the theme we're doing. Now, marriage, just picking up on what Clive said, marriage is meant to be an exemplar. It is meant to be an example of relationships. But all of us are involved in relationships all the time. We have relationships with each other, with our colleagues at work, with our neighbours, with all sorts of other people. A marriage is meant to be the one that is a demonstration of um, how a relationship should be because marriage, you already are in love. So it should be straightforward because the trickiest bit should be there already. The problem with other relationships is you don't necessarily love your neighbour. And you might not actually get on with a colleague at work. And there might be all sorts of relationships you have where there is no love in the relationship. And so therefore managing those relationships is much more of a challenge because there is no love. But this relationship is meant to be an exemplar. But even this relationship isn't the example, the key example. So. If you look, just this part of this introduction, into Ephesians, and Ephesians chapter 5, that's one of the books in the Bible, chapter 5, you get written down there the fact that the key example relationship is the relationship of God with us. And marriage is meant to be a reflection of that relationship, the relationship of God with us and how God treats us and we respond to him. That's the example. And then marriage, because we should now be doing that within the marriage, is meant to be the example for all other relationships in our lives. So, when I talk today, although I will be talking about marriage and I will be talking about um, giving you some pointers, although I'm sure you've got plenty of them yourself, okay? Um, it is meant to be what we're going to hear for every relationship. It's just that in all the others, it should be a little bit harder, to be honest. should be. Now, can we start by reading the passage? So the passage and the book we're looking at is a letter from a guy called John. John is the disciple, um, one of the 12 disciples. So he actually spent an awful lot of time with Jesus, and indeed John himself describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, and if we look at all the history about Christianity, everybody acknowledges John was one of Jesus' key friends. He was his buddy. He wasn't just a disciple. They actually were friends. They knew each other. So when I read this, you'll understand how John write, why John writes the way he does. So let me read you 1 John chapter 1. It's not very long. 
That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we could proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And with our fellowship, uh, and, and our fellowship is with the Father, with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing you this letter to make our joy complete. This is a message that we heard from, from him, Jesus, and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us for all, from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, this passage, this passage starts with what I was saying. John makes it clear right at the very beginning, he's not talking from book knowledge. It's not some great philosophy he's got. He's not talking about stuff that he's spent years thinking and pondering about and all the rest of it. He knows Jesus. Jesus is his mate. If I wanted to start talking about Clive, I could tell you lots of things about Clive. I could tell you adventures we've had together, things that we've done, things, you know, mistakes that Clive's made, mistakes I've made, the way he's handled things, the way we've talked about things, all sorts of things, because we know each other, we've lived together, we've actually lived life now for nearly 40 years, Clive. We know a lot about each other. So when I talk about Clive, I can talk about Clive. John is talking about his mate, Jesus. It's not theory. He's talking about the person he knew, the person who talked to him. Okay? So that's the starting point. He wanted to make it clear he's talking about somebody he actually knows, touched, met with. Without being funny, probably might even have gone to the loo near each other at times. Let's get really basic. Okay? So. What is the message then that John has put got put in his mind by Jesus the most? And this is the key thing. It's all about relationships. Read through. 
He talks about the relationships between Jesus and the Father. He talks about the relationship between himself and Jesus. He talks about the relationships between each other. He talks about the relationships between him and us. It's all about relationships. And marriage is the perfect example of relationship, of course. So therefore, today, what we're talking about is marriage, but every relationship around it, and how to do it well. Because God came so that we could have relationship. Jesus wants us to have relationship with him, and he wants us to have good relationships with each other. He wants us to be a family. Now, what advice then did Jesus give us? What did he actually say? So the starting point that John's got here, if you look at verse 5, the first thing he says is, God is light. It all starts with God. If you want to have really great relationships, and please, you know, I'm sure lots of people would say this is utter rubbish, but it's not. If you want really good relationships, the starting point for those good relationships is God. It's knowing God. Because if you do it on your own, sooner or later, you will put, in my case, your size 12s right in it. You will say the wrong thing, do the right wrong thing, not do the right thing. Somewhere along the line, you will mess up that relationship. Or the other person will do it. And you will react to them because they have offended you. Because they have done something wrong. Because you have every right now to put them in their place because they did that or didn't do this or were inconsiderate when I was. It will always happen. And the only way we can do perfect relationships is starting with God. Okay? So, secondly, what's the second thing he brings? So, if we look at... Um, go on from verse 6 to verse 7. He talks about the fact that with God, God is light. What does light do? Light shows us things. His next piece of advice is be totally transparent. Hide nothing. Warts, all problems, everything. The biggest problem in our relationships, one of them is we hide and we are dishonest. We lie to each other, even if we don't use our mouth. And in marriage, one of the dangers that we have is that we lie to each other. And we lie to each other because actually I'm really upset at this moment. And I say, oh, it's all fine here. Or a feeling need. And they go, oh, I'm okay. I don't need anything. Or I'm worried. And I don't share it. Or I'm scared. And I don't say it. We hide ourselves. Why? Because we fear of rejection. We're scared the other person will think less of us. Will reject us. Will do something as a result of our weakness. As a result of our sin as a result of who we are. If I actually show you who I am, you will reject me. That is what's at the core of men, most of us. Certainly it's at the core of me. If I honestly told you who I am and what I think, you will reject me. 
But Jesus says, no, that's not, that's not the way it is. The wonderful thing about Jesus, right, and our relationship with God is, he knows it all anyway. I can't hide it. So there's no point trying. But with my wife, I can. With all the people around me, I can. I can hide. I can pretend. The problem is, Jesus is saying, the only way it'll ever work is if you're totally honest. Garden of Eden, totally naked. You can see my fat belly. So two is you've got to be honest, but that is scary, is it not? Now, I said about all relationships, there are some relationships when you're dealing with people you don't really know, and you don't know whether they're on your side, you cannot expose yourself fully. But when you're dealing with people who love you, who have declared their love for you, who say they're on your side, the relationship has to be honest. And it's not, I'm being strong. I won't share that with you because I'm being strong. Be honest. Two. So that's two. Three. Do you know what? You will make a mistake. And not just a small one. You will make a big one. And so will your partner. And so will all the other people you have relationships with. They will make mistakes. Do you know how I know? I've made some really massive ones. Now I can try and hide them. Do you know what happens then? The other person will find out. Then you're in real doo-doo then. Because now not only are you making mistakes, but you're lying as well. And what, where now do they, can, where can they trust? What can they believe? So, you will make mistakes. Your partner will make mistakes. And that brings in the fourth part of this passage. It just goes in very neat order. John was trying to lay it out for us really well. Forgive. At the beginning, just say to yourself, they will make mistakes. They will not be perfect. They will do that thing that I don't want them to do, and they will do it about 40 times. They will leave their socks on the floor. Oh, sorry. Coffee table, yeah. The question is, you need to make the decision because forgiveness is not something that just happens. Forgiveness is a choice because it always costs you something. Jesus, because that's why he got to this bit, this is what he says. Chapter 2, verse, um, verse, the end of verse 1, verse 2. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. So Jesus actually defends us when we're charged with sin. He is our atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We do not deserve to be forgiven. Except that Jesus died for us. I can never do enough to deserve your forgiveness. But Jesus died for me. 
so I can ask you to forgive me. And Jesus has taken the penalty. So, quickly just run through it again. If you want your relationships to last, and marriage, we all hope our relationships last. One, it's got to start with God. If God's not in it, it will collapse at some stage in the future. I'm sorry, and that collapse might not be dramatic enough to actually separate you, but it will, the relationship will become less than it was. Two, okay, be honest and transparent. And if you can't do it, be as honest and transparent as you can be. And if you're a Christian, just pray that God will help you to be as honest and transparent as he possibly can. Three, you will make mistakes and so will the person you have a relationship with in whatever way, they will make mistakes. And as a result of that, four, you need to forgive. Because if we all don't, um, aren't honest because we're, fear, we're scared of being rejected, the fourth thing is lack of forgiveness, rejection. So we could actually fulfill the very fear that our most loved person, the person we love most in the world, has got, which is that they will be rejected. And if we don't forgive them, we will actually bring to total completion their fears. Imagine being the person who brings to the point where your loved person has their greatest fear realized. And it comes through you. Isn't that terrible? So forgive, even when it's really difficult to do it. Not because they deserve it, because they don't. I do not deserve forgiving. Let me say it again. I do not deserve forgiving. I have done lots of things that do not deserve forgiveness. And I can never earn, get rid of them by counterbalancing them, by doing good things, or what I deem to be good. Forgiveness comes by grace. It's a gift, a free gift from somebody who said, I will die for you because I love you that much. Build your relationships on that, and I tell you, you've got an adventure and a half on your life. They're wonderful. Don't build your relationship on those four pillars. There will be problems. There will be problems. So, Father, I want to thank you that you lay out for us in really pretty clear ways how to do this stuff, marriage. How to, how to do relationships. The problem, genuinely, Father, is, let's be honest, we are all scared. Don't want to be rejected. don't want to be rejected and yet in my heart I know that I have sinned that I'm not perfect so therefore I'm afraid I will be so Lord we just pray now fill us fill us with you that we may believe that you've died for us and I pray for each each of us that we may be a blessing on our partner the one who comes alongside and helps us when we're afraid and when we're scared about what we've done, who forgives and builds us up. May we be that person to the people we love. 
May we build them up, not, not them down. Amen.